This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to week 176 and video episode number two of the Thursday Throwback Track. Uh, as always, we're going through my collection, uh, currently on my LPs, vinyl, albums, records, whatever you all want to call them, uh, discussing some of my favorite music and how it's influenced the music I've done. Uh, again, as in video number one, I'm keeping it kind of easy uh, for myself because, you know, it's all about me. And uh, sticking with one of my uh, top five bands of the 15 that I continually keep referring to. And this one is uh, kind of a, not a surprising one. It's U2 and their first album, Boy, which was released in 1980, uh, four years after they formed. It uh, is a seminal album, of course. Uh, I don't know if it, it you know, where it ranks as far as my favorite U2 albums. I'm sure it, you may not know it. It's one of their lesser-known albums. Uh, they did have um, a couple of hits on there, some of which they still play. Uh, the most famous one being I Will Follow, which I'll talk more about that later. And, um, you know, other than that, it was seminal because it helped to uh, launch uh, their career, really, and launched them in the U.S. because they toured there and from the get-go started to gain fame uh, for their version of the post-punk genre. Post-punk has a lot of definitions, a lot of sub-genres, but for me, and again, I'm uh, referring to my notes in front of me here, um, the, the, the post-punk that I like, that I associate with that genre name, uh, has, is, is rhythmic, ambient, crisp, sparse, melodic, emotional, both organic uh, and electronic, as far as instruments goes, and both pop, and experimental, and uh, some other bands that might fit in that category, the, especially in the way I just described it, would be The Cure, again, uh, Joy Division, who became New Order, uh, The Jam, a lesser-known band who everyone should listen to. Uh, they weren't around long, but man, did they influence a lot of people, including Block Party. Uh, and uh, PIL, Public Image Limited, which was uh, John Lydon, or Johnny Rotten's band, uh, who came out of the Sex Pistols. So in some ways, uh, in, in a couple of these, at least, post-punk was 
literally post-punk. It was after some, one of them or more of the members had done punk and decided to branch out and make it a little bit, um, you know, more eclectic. Uh, and that's where we are. So, uh, again, U2 was another band like The Cure, like The Beatles, like some of my, like Prince, uh, that showed me what was possible in music. They introduced me to things that I hadn't heard before. Again, um, I was introduced to them by a good friend of mine from high school, and then I dug back into their old catalog. I think at the time, uh, The Unforgettable Fire was was out, and that I think still probably ranks as my favorite uh, U2 album, or certainly in the top three. Uh, and and once I heard songs from that, I said, I have to hear the rest of this. And so uh, at the time, you know, uh, I went to Full Circle Record Exchange, uh, which anybody who grew up in South Jersey might know is one of the great uh, indie record shops, and found as many uh, old U2 albums as I could. And if I didn't go there, I went to Tower Records, like everyone else. And uh, because I'm kind of uh, anal about certain things, I go in order. So I started with Boy being their first album. What I liked about U2 is what I like about a lot of music and, and, and what I try to bring to my music, which is they had, uh, they had and they've talked about this in, in subsequent interviews, they had a reverence for what existed then in the, in the 70s. They loved punk. They, you know, they, they loved what was going on in the late 70s. They loved disco and, and, and funk and all that stuff. They also had a reverence for what came before. Uh, some people who know them fairly well uh, might liken them to the who in terms of their, uh, their big, bold sound, their emotionality and certain other things. Uh, you know, the fact that it was guitar-centered and all of that. And, and yet, through all of that, they, they uh, without really maybe even thinking about it, made their own rules for what music could be or for how to interpret everything that they were absorbing, which I think every artist artist does and I just happen to find fascinating. Uh, I try to talk about that a lot in terms of my music, which is pretty much what this this whole series is about. Um, but to, to you know examine other artists and see you know where they came from and and you know where they ended up going is just it's it's amazing even in their in their earliest incarnations when they weren't quite fully formed like on U2's boy uh you can still hear them as being them you can you can hear you know their own unique take on music their personality their quirks you can you can hear all the influences that they had and you get a real strong sense of where they ended up going i know that's kind of you know hindsight uh, you know vision uh, but it but it works uh, you really if if you two isn't your favorite band that's cool try it with a band you love and go back and listen to their first album and say oh wow yeah i can hear elements from their 10th album or 5th album on that first album it's it's actually pretty awesome and i know they changed throughout the years they added new elements they de-emphasized some they emphasized others they got better at certain things uh one one thing i remember pretty famously in the late 80s early 90s is uh is uh bono talking about his falsetto and how he wasn't all that good at it early on and man that became one of his go-to's throughout the 90s and beyond uh so you know things like that great artists continuously grow they continuously absorb and they continuously kind of you know regurgitate what they what they know from from a from a real you know kind of heartfelt and unique place uh and and you know yet through all these changes they're still you too just the way the stones are still the the stones and um you know and the way i'm dis i'm discovering by sharing with you on saturdays my old songs uh you know in reverse chronology 
that uh, as, as many changes as, I, as I've gone through, I still have, I started with the same elements that I have now. I, I know there were certain things I, again, just like with you too, I've abandoned or I, you know, I've gotten better at or I've emphasized or not, but all of those same elements are there and they're really kind of the elements I listed in that first paragraph. Uh, you know, rhythmic, ambient, crisp, sparse, melodic, emotional, uh, both organic and electronic, both pop and experimental. Uh, a lot of my production isn't as sparse as some of the post-punk bands. I like to layer a lot of layers, but not for everything, um, which I'll talk about a little later as well. Uh, now, the subtitle for the text for this week 176 is what I do for music. And, uh, you know, I just had a gig last night, so my voice is kind of tired. And we played a set of songs that we prepared uh, more or less. And uh, the audience, the, the crowd was a birthday party, loved it so much that they uh, asked us to uh, play more. And because it was a band that, you know, we haven't quite done all this stuff before, we weren't sure where we were going. So we just took requests and we, we, either, we either half knew it or didn't know it or one of us knew it. And we just all jump in. So there were at least five songs last night that I played on stage that I had never played before in any capacity in my life and it was one of the most fun gigs I've ever had uh, but uh, you know some other illustration of what I do for music goes back to and refers back to you too which is when I was in college, uh, I had a friend um, in the acting program, Ralph Colombino, who had a band that almost got signed. Uh, it's a totally different story. They had some originals, uh, one of which I love and hope to share uh, someday because I still have a cassette copy of it. And they did a bunch of covers. And Ralph's two favorite bands were The Who and U2. And, and he saw the similarities between the two. And uh, he brought that out in his band. So I co-produced a music night at uh, the, one of the college centers there at Rutgers, uh, which featured a bunch of artists, including me. I did a, I did a cover it an original, and Ralph's band. And one of the songs Ralph's band played was U2's "I Will Follow," which still ranks as not just one of the top, you know, uh, songs from uh, this album certainly, and from U2 in general, but but uh, of all time for me. And uh, what happened was their drummer forgot to bring uh, his rug or anything that would keep the kit from sliding across the tile floor. And so because the show must go on and because of my intense love for music and wanting to just kind of, you know, help any other artist, uh, I volunteered as the host <laughs> to sit in front of the kit, my back to the kick drum, uh, put my hands on my ears as tightly as I could and for the duration of their very short set, I think it was three songs, um, prevent the kit from sliding forward so that the drummer and they could have as kick-ass of a set as they possibly could. And um, I loved every minute of it, just like I loved every minute of last night's insanely impromptu show. Uh, so going back to you 2 and referring it or, or connecting it to my music, Lots of my songs have been influenced by you 2 in one way or another, but there's a particular song that an old friend of mine, the minute she heard it, said, this reminds me of you 2 and in fact reminds me of early U2. I don't know if she referenced I Will Follow, um, but in general, that's, excuse me, that's what she said. And um, I mean, it thrilled me. 
because I know that the song I you know wrote came from a, a you know pretty uh, specific and original place. But the way I produced it, I wanted it to have that energy. I don't know if I specifically thought of you two, but I know they were in my head in some way. And that song is called uh, "Little White Lies." And it's from my uh, EP, Distance to Empty. Uh, the links, again, are all at the bottom here, including a different version of what I just said. Uh, I urge you and, and, and welcome you to uh, click uh, the link for YouTube's boy and explore that. Click the link for Little White Lies and listen to, to that. It's, it's one of my personal favorites, especially from that, uh, you know, that EP. And to, uh, you know, tell me what your favorites from this album might be, what your favorites from U2 might be, if you don't like U2 at all, if there's another band that you that you have the same feeling about, I, I really want this discussion to continue week after week. So please, you know, leave your comments. And uh, don't forget, you can find all of the music that I share uh, of mine on pretty much any streaming service, iTunes, Spotify, uh, even YouTube, all of that. So please uh, explore further. You can go to my SoundCloud page, which I often link. You can go to my uh, Bandcamp page, which I often link. You can go to my website, nickdomadio.com. Uh, I am more than happy to share anything with you personally as well if you have any requests. Uh, and uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Thank you for discussing. And uh, until next week, this is Nick Tomadio and the Thursday Throwback Track. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.